0: Welcome to The Sharp Show, a podcast made by students for everyone. On this episode of the podcast, we are looking into gun violence in America the roots, the current state of affairs, and what we can do to change things.
1: Children in the United States classrooms are in fear that they will see a gun at their school and they will be forced to hide under their desk. Do you allow that to happen? Many people are allowed to have a gun. Even small kids can have guns and that's concerning. But where did all this gun culture come from? In the United States, when people start to move and conquer the West, a new gun market uh, was created. The gun, the gun company, persuades people to buy guns. Be- because if you didn't have a gun, you were not a real man. So everybody had a gun to defend herself. And this idea continued into modern times, where many people continue to have guns to protect themselves in their home. Guns advertise that guns can better protect you from being robbed because police take too long to appear and protect your livelihood. When the Black Panther Revolutionary Organization advocating for black nationalists a nationalists started to be armed, carrying loaded Guns was banned by California governor Ronald Reagan. Later on when he became president of the United States, he was influenced by the National Rifle Association to agree to agree to allow guns across the nation. The agents should remember that there are lots of reasons why guns are legal and the issue is incredibly complicated. But in my opinion none of the reasons are more powerful than the safety of current citizens and students in the United States.
0: Have you ever wondered how often mass shootings happen in the U.S. and why? (laughs) It's called the Texas Tower shooting. That was the first mass shooting and not long ago there was another shooting and 21 people died in the shooting. School shootings are increasing and it won't stop until people wake up and realize it's past time for school shooting to end. Enough people have died, been injured, and traumatized. And these shootings are not just occurring in schools, it's other shootings, too. Like the sh- shooting in the African-American neighborhood in New York. That one was called the Buffalo shooting. It sad shooting people were killed, and three people were injured. This is unacceptable, and America must do something. My way of fixing this is, we need to find a way to prevent the majority from having guns, or something more, Problem. make guns less accessible, make guns less accessible, I know that there's already gun laws and stuff, but people still want their guns. This leads to it being harder and harder to prevent people from getting guns. So, it would be hard to pull off, and almost any politician will say and give the people what they want to get re-elected. So... In the end, if the people want their guns, they will have them, and they won't be taken away. And the unfortunate truth is that if that even happens, there might be a civil war because we took the guns away. Quite the quandary.
1: You go to the hospital where the doctors clear you. And you're talking and you're talking about demons. What are the demons? The voices. tell mm-hmm. me about it. What are the voices about? It's,
0: it's one it's another voice, the evil side. Okay.
1: And how long has that voice been going on?
2: Years. Okay.
0: Well, what does it tell you to do? Burn, kill,
1: destroy.
3: Now, you must be asking yourselves. What could these words mean, and how did they influence a 19-year-old to slaughter all these people? How can someone commit such horrid crimes? Was it genetic? Is it how they were raised? In this section of the podcast, we will talk in detail about what drives these mass shooters to make such an impulsive decision that ultimately ends with multiple families crying in despair and sorrow. The voice you heard was from Parkland, Florida, 2019-227. The case was that of Nicholas Kruth, a 19-year-old who fired at several students and staff, injuring 17 people and killing 17 others, in what became at the time the deadliest school shooting in United States history. But what makes this case so interesting is what he says. Even beyond what you heard earlier, that makes the detectives question the whole case. The demons made me do it. That is quite the statement alarm bells should be sounding for psychological problems. The psychology of gun ownership, or the attitudes and actions displayed by gun owners and the reasons why they keep the weapons, has been extensively studied in recent years. Bindu Carlson, a professor at Columbia University, discovered in a 2015 study that social exposure to gun culture and gun ownership is strongly correlated with one another meaning the more you see guns, the more you want guns. In America, the average gun owner is white, married, or divorced, high income, and over 55 years old, according to Dr. Colesan's research. The social gun culture contains strong determinants of behavioral intents and health behaviors, as well as invisible rules of behavior. In individuals with and without specific mental issues and social background, There is a co-occurrence of impulsive angry behavior and possessing or carrying a gun. Meaning owning a gun is related to anger issues or anger issues are related to gun ownership. The development of the muscle system that supports the firing of guns and the desire to do so are actions based in the aggression related regions of the brain and are both significantly influenced by testosterone. There is data that individuals who exhibit Aggressive tendencies, such as prisoners, who have committed harsh crimes, have greater testosterone levels. Aggressive behaviors can also be associated with a sense of dominance and control. This is my theory of why most mass shooters are young men.
2: The voices you are hearing are those of the Manson family. Singing in the courthouse, Charles Manson was on trial for the murder of Sharon Tate and four others in 1969. Romantization of secret killers is nothing new. In the 70s, during Ted Bundy's trial, the man who killed and raped 28 women. Groupies dressed up as his victims in hopes of getting attention from him. They sent him fan mail, nude pictures, and marriage proposals. But what makes these fangirls tick? Other criminals have established and devoted fan bases as well, such as Jeffrey Dahmer and Richard Ramirez, who both received love letters and fan mail. A woman is even able to marry Ted Bundy during the trial. There is a psychological definition for these people. Also known, also known as the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. Bonnie and Clyde being the famous Depression-era bank robbing couple. Hibistophilia is a sexual interest and an attraction to those who commit crimes, a paraphilia in which sexual arousal vacillations are responsive to and contingent upon being with a partner known to have committed a crime. Though this definition can be seen as outdated due to its lack of research, I'm good. Uh, uh, Wait. What there oh. been a recent rise of hid bristophilia I would argue yes. The media, pro, the media profiting of these killers is one of the major contributing factors to the issue. The releases of a number of new series and documentaries like Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, and extremely wicked, shocking, evil, and vile, there has been a rise in fans of serial killers. It is extremely disturbing that these companies are casting attractive men to play the serial killers and painting them as simply these misunderstood people. Users on social media me- users on social media, primarily young girls, while watching these shows are making fan cams and thirst traps of these actors while they are in the role of a serial killer. People are even, shamefully enough, turning these killers into Halloween costumes. Companies should not be making documentaries over and over, casting attractive people without realizing how these serious movies are um, harmful to the families of the victims and society at large. They don't make this media with the intent of educating viewers. They make time to make money. These companies are normalizing... The romanticization of serial killers as if it was another trend. You can't convince filmmakers and companies to stop making criminally shows whatsoever, and I'm not asking for that to happen. What should happen is those companies should depict these killers as horrendous as they were and not painting them as these sad, misunderstood people who just needed a hug. As well as not normalizing the romanticization of killers on social media.
0: Excellent job. Well done. We'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. All music and audio clips found in this podcast were used within the Fair Use Act. If you'd like to contact the podcast, you can do so by finding the school on Facebook or Instagram.